Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. Happy Monday, everybody. There was not a lot of football on today. Portuguese Liga, but I have no way to watch that. So the only thing I watched was the Southampton against Liverpool game, which was pretty impressive, very interesting. Uh, the goal that Southampton scored at the beginning, Danny Ings take a bow, excellent finish. And the free kick from Ward-Prowse was, as usual, on a dime. Absolutely perfect. So Southampton had an incredible 2020. And it's important to remember that they lost 9-0 to Leicester a little over a year ago. And they, this club stuck by Ralph Hasenhutl. And I think the reason why they did was that they noticed that though that day the players looked like over it entirely, in previous games and other games, at least there was a work ethic there, but things weren't quite totally clicking. Now, they decided to stick with the guy. And in 2020, he had really finally got the right rhythm. The team started moving well. And now they've been excellent and they just beat the champions. It made me think about other managers this season who have gone under a lot of pressure, who have been thought of as certain failures, right? The first person I can think of is Jose Mourinho. After Everton beat Spurs on the first day of the season 2-0, and Spurs didn't really look very good, to be honest. Everyone was saying Mourinho would be sacked before Christmas. I mean, that was the very common narrative that people were saying. Within just a few matches, they got some results, and people were still cautious. Well, the playing style, the players are, are going to not want this eventually. Well, then they beat Man United 6-1, a couple more results top of the table, and now no one's had to really talk about Spurs for quite some time. Instead, the focus quickly shifted to Scott Parker's Fulham who were beaten 3-0 on the first day by Arsenal, and after two more matches, it didn't look much better than a championship team. But Scott Parker got a few pieces in at the transfer window, and now they look a far more stable side. And players that looked out of place in the puzzle on the first three match weeks, they actually look like really solid Premier League players all of a sudden. And this is a team that got a draw against the champions. So they stuck by Scott Parker. They could have fired him three, four weeks into the season when everyone was like, if you don't get someone experienced in, you're going down. Then everything moved on to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Man United were not playing excellently at the beginning of the season. The patterns weren't working too well. And for a manager who'd been in for a while, people were really questioning it. Now they kept getting these results, winning in Paris, beating Leipzig 5-0, so looking like they were going to advance in the Champions League until they threw it away. But as soon as they threw away the Champions League, they started playing really well in the league. So every time that we get so convinced that this is where United are going to fail, they all of a sudden picked back up. The, sh the focus shifted then to Everton, because after four games, they had been brilliant. But now, look, three games... You know, without winning, and Hamas looks like he's cold, and Ancelotti, well, I mean, you know, he's great with big players and stars, but he's never really managed a team like this before, so this isn't going to work. He's probably going to be out by the middle of the year. Well, then they turned the, their results around, so everyone had to look at Arsenal because that was really not going well. You know, Aubameyang hadn't scored since he signed his contract, and everyone was all of a sudden convinced it is over. Get the guy out. Bring in... Someone, there were people saying, why not Mauricio Pochettino, even though he was a Spurs manager last time around. 
Again, they stuck with him. He managed to beat Frank Lampard's Chelsea, and now they've won three on the bounce. So obviously, where did the focus go next? Well, Chelsea have been poor lately. Things haven't been going that well. There's no doubt about it. I'm a Chelsea fan, and I can say that watching that that match against City yesterday, they looked completely outclassed for the last 35 minutes, basically, of the first half. Second half, I kind of checked out. I, I knew the game was over. And I didn't really want to wait and see if City would go and put six or seven past Chelsea because City did look that good. But remember, City earlier in the season were not scoring goals, right? And true, they were winning games by small margins, but everyone was convinced that without Aguero, Jesus can't do it. Where are the goals going to come from? Who is that, you know? Well, here you've got Gundogan starting to chip in the goals here and there. Phil Foden starting to score more. Riyad Mahrez goes and scores a hat trick, maybe dips off the face of the earth for a few weeks, but he'll be back. And Kevin De Bruyne is as reliable in creating chances as always. So, you know, they laid down a marker yesterday, having been basically dormant from the title conversation for the first, you know, three months of the season. Chelsea, on the other hand, went 17 games unbeaten at the beginning of the season and are now going through a tough spell. If you don't see where I'm going with this, it's basically that I think these things really do move in cycles. And we get really, really preoccupied on results. Marcelo Bielsa said so. He said, it doesn't matter the way you play or the way you concede goals. People are only going to look at the numbers and whether you lost or won. And people aren't going to analyze what actually happened and give you the benefit of the doubt on things. If a manager sets his team out with a lineup and a game plan, and they make two or three really bad individual errors. It's really hard to put that on the manager. Individual errors happening every single game to everyone on the team. Now you can start talking about collective focus. But on a day, the way goals are conceded in this league is so diverse because teams are good. In the Premier League this season, a lot of teams are good. You have a West Ham under David Moyes that's producing results kind of amazingly. I didn't think they would be this strong. Southampton up at the top. Leicester are doing exactly what maybe they should be doing, but I don't think anyone expected them to continue to be this strong every game. There's so many teams that have given something brilliant to the league, have played really, really well. Villa have been excellent. But then there's underachieving as well. Sheffield United are a team who cannot buy a result to save their lives at the moment. Haven't won yet in 17. It's never happened in the Premier League. But Chris Wilder brought this team up from League One. I mean, they overperformed last season. Are they underperforming this one? I think so. But I don't hear very many people saying Chris Wilder should be sacked. You build good faith. If you do things well, if you can achieve a sustained period where you show improvement and growth... Why should a tough patch get you fired? I think we're a little too quick on this these days. I just got to say, I just keep seeing it and it goes through cycles. You ask yourself, who's next? Which team is about to go through a slump of form for five or six games and everyone's going to be saying they should get sacked? And now we're all sitting around waiting to see, is the club going to pull the trigger? I mean, I talked about loyalty with my friend Ben a few days ago. One of the things that he mentioned was we start to set unreasonably high expectations for these people 
And if they don't deliver on those high expectations, then we start to make them feel very, very scared that they are going to lose their job. We know that fear can maybe instigate you to be motivated to work hard for a period of time. But sustained daily negative pressure, it's going to force you to start making poor decisions. So when I think about why managers could slash should be sacked, I think of these situations. One, the dressing room is lost. You can clearly see there's discord. There's players coming to the board saying, I want to leave. Star players not wanting to re-sign contracts. Young players wanting to get released as soon as possible. Pitch, you know, fights going on on the training pitch. Okay, that looks like a good time to remove the figurehead. Get, get a different leader in. Number two, the results are terrible, but the performances are also terrible. It's just you don't really see effort from the players. They don't appear to be working for the manager. And the, there's nothing inspirational for the fans to even feed off of anymore. And no one's inspired. It's stale and there's nothing There's nothing to work with. Okay, gone. Number three, the manager is actually either completely incompetent, which I would hope you would never hire someone in the first place who is completely incompetent. But more than likely, the manager and the players and the squad doesn't fit that well. There's just something that's not working in the sense that the playing style and the personnel – just isn't the right fit. Now, if you're a really proactive board, hopefully, once again, you did not make the mistake of hiring that person. And I think once you hire that person, it's really, really bad form to just go back on it because you realize you made a mistake. I would say allow the managers to do the best they can until they start to really lose either the motivation of the players or that the club starts to just lose its ability to stick together and face and battle adversity. When I look at a team like Chelsea, who, because I am a fan, that's what I'll go ahead and end with. I would hate to see Frank Lampard fired. I would absolutely hate it. It would be a heartbreaking thing. It's the shooting Bambi thing, right? But also at the same time, I see no reason for it at this point. I see a really young team that is just going through a rough patch. And I remember seeing this before. When Ancelotti's second season at Chelsea, during Ancelotti's second season at Chelsea, they got off to a flying start. First two, three months of the season were spectacular. And then once October, November hit, they couldn't get results at all until February. And Ancelotti's job was under pressure. This is early Abramovich era. Everyone was thinking, it's, it's going to be over. But they started getting results. And in February, they really started to pick up a lot of wins. And then it carried through into March and April. They got all the way into a decisive match with Man United at Old Trafford. And lost. Rumor has it that Abramovich came down into the tunnel and sacked Ancelotti on the spot in the ground. Did he act too quick at the time? I think absolutely. But here's the reality. We're now a long way down the line. Football hopefully has changed from being a place where if a top club doesn't win something in a season, we have to go and look for the next big manager. I think we maybe are starting to get beyond that. So as a public, maybe it's time for us to stop asking for that kind of thing and just 
give the most amount of support and belief to our clubs and let the other guys just do their jobs. Thanks so much for listening. This is Campfire Football. We'll talk to you soon.